Welcome to Flowing East and West, the perfectly imperfect journey to a fulfilled life. I'm Sherry Essig, an executive and life coach, and I work with people who are done settling for less than success and happiness. And I'm Ann Roby, an HR executive and consultant focused on building strong employee engagement and meaningful company culture. So Sherry, today we're going to talk a little bit about vulnerability And it's also our first opportunity to hear from some of our friends and colleagues who we're going to layer in some of their thoughts about vulnerability. But because it's such a broad and frankly important topic, I thought I would just start with asking you a big question, which, which is, what does it actually mean to you? What is vulnerability? So my definition of vulnerability has really changed over the years. And the way I think about it now is that it's a willingness to let people see me, like really see me to put myself out in a way that it's clear I don't know everything, I don't have all my stuff together, and it's a way of allowing myself to be uncomfortable. Because one thing I have learned for myself, and I think this is universally true, is if it's not uncomfortable, it's you're really not in a place of vulnerability. Yeah, I think that's true. And I, I think that that level of discomfort, while nobody sort of wakes up in the morning and thinks, yay, it's discomfort day. Um, it is it is the way that we all learn and grow. And we're not actually pushing ourselves until we get to that point where we're, we're kind of on that edge of discomfort. And for me, vulnerability is, is very similar. It's, it's really about letting my whole self be seen. So the good parts, the not so good parts, the the warts, the the things I'm struggling with. And it really is all of those things because sometimes it can be vulnerable even to let people in on the good stuff. That can feel, I don't know, braggy or something sometimes, right? And so it can sometimes be an act of vulnerability when it's good stuff happening, just as much as it is vulnerability when tough stuff is happening. So Brene Brown actually has a a nice sort of definition where she says there are three things present when vulnerability is present, and that's uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. And I think that really sums up a lot of what we both just said about what it means to us. Yeah, it's it's so true. And just to, you know, just to clarify, it's not always just about good stuff or bad stuff. Sometimes it's really about something feels uncomfortable to me for whatever reason, right? It's, that's that's right. And one thing that's uncomfortable for you is not necessarily uncomfortable for me and vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think this podcast is actually a great example is there are some aspects of it that I think both of us feel a little vulnerable. And, absolutely. You know, and are showing up anyway. So that's right. (laughs) Right. And that's kind of what it's I think that's another way to think about it is it feels vulnerable and you show up anyway. I think that's a really great definition. Let's hear from a couple of our friends on how they define vulnerability. The first voice you'll hear is Bridget, then Rachel, then Michelle. For me, vulnerability means being willing to share the whole story. So that means not just the end part that maybe ended up really bright and shiny, but the parts along that path where there was self-doubt on my part, where there was potentially a pause for a long amount of time, where there was just a, a lot of different things I had to navigate to get through to the final outcome. 
the willingness to tell that whole story, I think is so incredibly powerful. And it's something that I really try to practice as much as I can. I think it involves a lot of trust. I think it involves a lot of self-awareness because vulnerability often is around emotions that are, or experiences that we've had that cause us to feel unsteady or unsafe or unaccepted or unacceptable. For me, what really resonated is a quote by Maya Angelou. And, you know, she said, the quality of strength lined with tenderness. I really love all three of these definitions. It really shows how we all think about vulnerability in very nuanced ways. So given how important we both think it is, I'm curious, was there a turning point for you or was, or was there something that sort of made you kind of wake up to how important vulnerability and how powerful it can be for you? Yes. There was a moment early on in my coaching practice. I've been coaching for over 20 years and this was at about the two-year mark, where I had been operating with a perspective that in order for people to want to work with me as a coach, they had to think I really had everything together because why would you want to work with a coach who didn't have everything together? And I had this moment, and I really don't remember what it was that made me realize this, but it did kind of come out of nowhere where I just had this realization of, wait a minute, why would why would you want to work with somebody who had everything together? How on earth would that be relatable? And that was the beginning of me really, really practicing becoming more vulnerable. Yeah. It's interesting because it, it somewhat reminds me of, you know, my own story about really waking up to vulnerability. I mean, I, I think you and I have both done lots of work for years and I, I think I understood it on a mental or a philosophical level, how important it is to to be open and to dig deep and to be willing to push into those uncomfortable spots. But I mean, I have an example that that you're very familiar with when I realized I was going to move towards separation and, and ultimately divorce from my then husband. You know, you and I were really good friends and we had shared a lot of time and a lot of deep discussions about things. But this was something that I hadn't shared with you. And when I reflect on that, I really think it has so much to do with wanting things to be okay in my marriage. And so I kind of put on a happy, shiny face for you and, and for other people. And I just, I distinctly remember talking about this with you and just the deep, deep kindness that you showed me, which facilitated more ability for me to be vulnerable. And I think that's an important point is to have people in your life that you can kind of practice a little bit of vulnerability with so that you can build your capacity for more vulnerability. Well, and I think your comment about the way our relationship shifted when you opened up about what was happening in your marriage and you allowed yourself to be vulnerable really points to one of the reasons why vulnerability matters and why it's so important. You know, I really have come to see vulnerability as a bit of a superpower in that it deepened, it does deepen connection. I saw how it deepened my connection with my clients, how it deepened our friendship. It not only deepens connection though, is it allows us to do are really our best work because we stop playing small. We stop hiding the parts of us that we're uncomfortable with. 
And so we have greater impact, right? It deepens connection. We have greater impact. And what do you think some of the other reasons why vulnerability is so important? Well, I mean, to me, it is so much about that connection and whether it's connection to yourself, connection to those you work with or, or colleagues, connection to, to people you deeply care about. And, and ultimately, I really think being willing to be vulnerable is about love in some ways, right? And it's, it's really hard to love someone or to be loved if you're not letting your whole self be seen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, love is kind of a funny word that often we don't use in work settings. But ultimately, it kind of is still about love at work as well, right? It's, it's about really having that connection with people at work and, and being able to have deep respect and openness with each other, which then kind of facilitates all of us doing our best work, to your point. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of, and this is not an episode about love, but it does make me think about there's romantic love, but there's all kinds of other love. And how often I've had somebody, gosh, I love working with that person. And as I think about it, I love working with somebody because I feel connected to them. That's right. That's exactly right. And it's hard to feel that connection when there's some part that's hidden behind some armor, right? And that armor, that protection, it's very natural. All of us are sort of raised to to hold pieces back, to protect ourselves in some way, but it kind of gets deeply ingrained. And then it creates a separation between people that kind of prevents that deep love or that deep connection that you were just talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have such a compelling story of a time in your professional life, right, where you were very armored up and in retrospect, look at it as not being the best work you've ever done. That's right. I mean, it was a it was a period of my life when in a six week period, I bought, I sold the house that I had been living in with my husband, my divorce finalized, I moved 3000 miles across the country, I bought a new house in San Francisco, and started a brand new job with a very fancy title. And, I, you know, to be honest, I was I was intimidated. I was scared. I didn't think I knew what I was doing. I felt like an imposter. And so instead of walking toward all of that discomfort, I collapsed in and I played really, really small. And sure, I checked the boxes of the things I was supposed to do at work. But frankly, I didn't do my best work because I was pretty shut down. And I did not really embrace that discomfort. And I think this is an important point to, to point out here, Sherry, and that is we all learn at different points throughout our lives. And this is not a straight line thing. You didn't just wake up after that coaching client and think, I am now going to be vulnerable all the time. There are moments where we flow in and flow out of vulnerability. And for me, frankly, that was a point in my life where I wasn't terribly successful. It sort of ended not super well. And and I ended up taking a year off after that and really doing some deep thinking and deep work around what was going on for me. And then you, because I'll just continue with the flow in and flow out, you then when you flowed into your next professional opportunity, you approached vulnerability very, very differently. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I actually talked openly about vulnerability at the next company that I worked for. And, and we've tried to really instill this idea of 
open-hearted communication as a part of the way that we work. Because I think one of the things that happens, and I know happened for me at that previous company, is you get a little bit frozen. You, you start to get a little stuck. And it's sort of like a really tight, tight balloon that will just continue to expand and you feel that pressure. And what vulnerability does or the allowing of vulnerability is it takes some of the air out of that tight, tight balloon. Um, but when I think about this this fact of being frozen, it does remind me of that hiking story of yours from a few years back. Yes, um, it it's also relevant in a very, very different way. And I will admit it was 10 years ago and my heart rate still goes up about 20 beats per minute when I think about it, is I was on vacation in the mountains of Colorado and had was on a hike with my husband and another couple we were traveling with. And we had done this fabulous hike We were that ends on a big plateau. And off to one side is a ravine that drops off. I have no idea how deep it is, but it's, it's quite deep, quite, quite deep, probably 100 feet down. And my girlfriend, who is part mountain goat, so this wasn't at all surprising, jumped up when we were done eating lunch and said, oh, I'm going down to that ravine and then I'm climbing up onto that rock outcropping. Her husband then jumped up and said, yeah, I'm going too. And much to my surprise, my husband then jumped up and said, I'm going too. And I had this moment of, I really did not wanna go. And I also did not wanna say, oh, don't abandon me, which was my own way of, I don't wanna be vulnerable. And so I got up and I followed them down, which I shouldn't have done. And I did get down to the bottom of the ravine which I was thrilled and it felt like a miracle. And when it was time to climb back out, I got stuck about five feet, three feet. I don't remember how far, but I got stuck very close to the top and I froze. And I had this story going in my mind that I will fall if I take a hand off to try to grab the next little handhold. And my husband and my friend Lori were standing up there saying, just grab our arms, just grab our arms, we'll pull you up. And I couldn't, I was absolutely frozen. That story had become truth for me that if I let go, I will plummet to the floor of that ravine and die, which obviously did not happen. I think that that is so important that to really focus on how those things happen. So our thoughts become our true beliefs and our beliefs become our action or our inaction. And then those original thoughts become self-fulfilling prophecy. And so I think it was Henry Ford that said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, mm. you're right. And that is so true because in that case, I didn't think I could and I really couldn't. Right. Like I, I really physically was incapable of pulling myself up those last five feet. Because of your belief. Because of my belief. Yeah. And I was only in that position because I was not willing to be vulnerable in that early moment to say, I don't want to go. And I also don't want to hike back down by myself. Will somebody hang back with me? That's right. And I think that's so important that vulnerability shows up in these big ways. Mm -hmm. I'm on the side of a mountain. I have a big job with a fancy title that I don't think I'm capable of. But it's also in the small ways, asking for help. You know, when we think back to the story about my divorce, I mean, one of the things that you did for me, Sherry, is, I mean, you called me every single day. Now, I'm still not very good at asking for help, and I certainly wasn't any good at it then, but you just, it was a vulnerable act for you to even call me every day 
because I hadn't asked for it. And yet the impact that that had on me was so powerful and so meaningful. Yeah, it's true. I had this little voice saying, gosh, I hope she doesn't think I'm a pest. And there was no way I wasn't going to call you every day. So in that case, right, my desire to reach out way overrode the little bit of discomfort I had about doing it. But yeah, it's a, it's such a good example of all the different ways that vulnerability shows up. That's right. It's personal. It's professional. It's small ways. It's big ways. It, it's happening all the time. For me, in those rare moments when time stops and I can just enjoy you know, the sunshine or looking at the trees or moving my body and feeling my breath. Those are the times when I'm probably the most vulnerable because I've shed every defense that I have. And I think we use narratives as a defense. You know, I am, uh, don't look too close. Let me, let, let me tell you, I, I am this thing. I'm that thing. I'm the other thing, right? We put up all these shields and when we can let go of all of those, we are our most vulnerable and enlighten selves. Vulnerability for me has allowed me to say, okay, so this story, the story that you used to tell, which for me for a very long time was that I played division one sports and that felt like a defining thing for me. And so I would share, I would watch myself share it in new situations so that people could attach that to me and decide what that meant, right? Who I was like, look at this thing I did now, like, you know, 25 years ago, but it was, it felt like such an important thing to me that I wanted people to look at me in that way. And so the vulnerability for me is why is, why was that important to me? What did, what did that mean? And so I've been able to kind of work through that and say, okay, the level of drive and focus that it took me to get to that level is admirable. And it's been hugely helpful in so much of my life since but it never did and never will define who I am. Who I am is my values and my mission and my purpose. And so this willingness to dive into the story that I would tell or that I thought was me and unpack it and say, okay, where is my greatest, what do I really honor about myself? And be able to get into the juiciness of that as opposed to this story that was kind of the front that I wanted people to look at. And so it's, it's freed me, the vulnerability, to be able to be honest and say, now, yes, I played Division I sports, but you know what? I walked on. I didn't get a scholarship. And yes, it was hard, but I only played for one year because it wasn't a match for me. And I had, and I had to leave. And then I went on and experienced other things. It was you know, one year of my life that I was so attached to defining me. The other day I was sitting out in my garden and there's this little chipmunk that lives in my garden and he just runs from one flower bed to the other and just zips back and forth. So fast I could hardly, you know, only catch a glimpse of him. But on this particular day, it was sunny and warm and I'd been sitting out in the garden for a while and he came up and just stopped short about six inches from me and was just staring at me and I could see his little nose twitch and his eyes were looking at me and I could see his little sides heaving back and forth with his breathing. And I could tell he was scared. He didn't know if he was safe. He wasn't sure what I was or if I was going to step on him or, or eat him or you know whatever. And I 
was thinking about vulnerability. And I think in a way we're all these little, we're animals, <laughs> you know, and in some ways we feel like this little animal when we're feeling very vulnerable. We feel like this little animal who's just caught sight of something that they don't know if it's okay to come out further. Can I step into this place or do I need to go back into hiding? And sometimes when we're feeling really, really vulnerable, we feel it in our bodies. You know, we start to sweat, our hands get clammy or our stomach clenches up or our heart can beat faster or, you know, and all of those are little alarm bells that can be going off that say maybe danger, danger, danger. And so you kind of have to assess is it safe to go forward with this? Is it safe to stay within myself back into the meditation place? Is it safe to stay within myself and meet these things that are coming up that are making me feel so unsettled? Really great insight from Suzanne, Bridget, and Rachel in the different ways vulnerability shows up and whether we step into or run away from it. So I guess my question for you now then is, since it's happening all around us all the time, and we've already decided to, it's actually a powerful and important part of our connection to other people and humans, um, my question for you is, how do you start to build capacity for vulnerability? What are the things that need to happen in order to get more comfortable with the uncomfortable? So ultimately, it's about practice, but it really starts with awareness and presence and becoming better able to notice your own vulnerability. And so in my case with my clients early on, I started simply by taking, I don't remember if it was two weeks or a month, but just starting to pay attention to when was I holding back, right? Yeah. Ignoring an impulse to say something, right? Or to do something. And so it starts with that. You have to start to recognize those moments in yourself of, oh, I'm feeling vulnerable at this moment. I think that that's really, that's exactly right. And it's that, it's that awareness that I believe is the major first step, right? It's sort of like if I wanted to run a marathon, you know, I don't run it tomorrow. I start with lacing up my tennis shoes today. Right. And maybe I walk around the block today, or maybe I do two blocks, et cetera. Um, but that that act of awareness, and I loved how you said this about, it's really a matter of pausing for a moment and noticing, am I holding back? Is there some part of me that's trying to look good? Is there some part of this that is making me uncomfortable? And so I've morphed in some way. And it's that moment of pausing and reflecting and creating some self-awareness. Yeah, for sure. The second piece is then deciding that you are going to believe or you're going to trust that if you allow yourself to be vulnerable, it will be okay. And that's a choice. Because if you don't believe it's going to be okay, there's no way you're going to allow yourself to be vulnerable. That's right. And I think it's it's really hard to know until you start, you know, in, in little ways, right? And start sort of testing the waters, if you will. But it is a choice. And my case with not with with sharing information about my divorce your case with being stuck on the side of a mountain right like these are things that we have a moment when we're in that moment of having a little bit of faith and a little bit of trust that it's going to be okay right and using my hiking story as an example the 
what I would have needed to trust in order to make the choice to be vulnerable and say, I don't want to go. I needed to trust that my friends weren't going to judge me. And that would have allowed me to make the choice to say, I don't want to do it. Yeah, either that they wouldn't judge you or if they did for some reason that you would still be okay. Yeah. Right? And yet yeah. neither one of those things in that example came to light because in that case you held back a little bit. Exactly. I didn't make the choice to be vulnerable. That's in right. fact, I I ended up making myself very physically vulnerable, right? But <laughs> we're really talking about emotional vulnerability here. That's and, right. Right? And then the last piece after really building self-awareness, you know, believing, trusting, having faith, making a choice, the last piece is to practice. Yep. And practice is, from my perspective, practice is really best done or to, to start with in seeking out small, really low stake moments to start with. Because practice is practice. You can, you can start by allowing yourself to be vulnerable in situations where it truly doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. And you yeah. have a bit of a story around your divorce. I don't know that you were consciously practicing, but it did turn out to be practice in a grocery store. Yeah. Yes. This poor unwitting clerk got to hear my whole sad story. And luckily she was lovely. But the reason why that was not a bad place to practice is the stakes were fairly low. Like if she thought I was an idiot or a crazy person or something, you know, I'd walk out the door and never see this woman again. Luckily, she was lovely. But the, the fact is, is it was a small step in order to start practicing saying things out loud. In this case, something that was really kind of right. tricky and, and difficult. Right. There's lots of ways to practice, though, right? So, you know, ha making sure you have a good friend that you can start sharing more of yourself with. There's other ways to practice, like maybe it's not, I mean, using the marathon example is a good one. You're not going to run the marathon tomorrow. So maybe there's small ways you can start with some self-disclosure and small ways to share like the less perfect parts of yourself. My evolution really, as you know, has taken a lot of cues from running, you know, being able to go out there. And I started my running practice by running in the dark because I was so afraid that somebody would see me and see how out of shape I was and that my belly would jiggle and I really didn't know what I was doing. My face was all red and sweaty. You know, everybody's face is red and sweaty in North Carolina summer, but I felt that was something I wanted to hide. And being able to step out from the shadow of my own doubt and just say, you know what, this is something I want to do. And I put it out there in put out in the company newsletter that I was doing my first marathon and I was raising money for Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And people came out of the woodwork to tell me their journey with marathoning. And also I got you know my fundraising taken care of mostly by friends at the company. And I learned a lot from that. It was a, because I took that step and I was able to say, you might think I'm crazy, but I was 49 at the time. But this is something I've always wanted to do, and I find that I don't challenge myself enough lately, so I'm going for it. And it worked out. What a great example from Suzanne. I love how she not only practiced vulnerability, but brought people along with her. How else do you think we can step into vulnerability, Sherry? One of the things I often recommend to my clients around building a vulnerability muscle, especially for the ones who are not have a hard time speaking up in a professional situation because they think they don't know as much as someone else in the room or you know they're afraid of saying the wrong thing 
is to just, you practice vulnerability by speaking up a little bit more. Or if you're somebody that talks a lot in a meeting because you want to make sure everybody knows you're really smart or you know what you're doing, is to button it up occasionally. And those are actually practices for vulnerability. That's right. So, I, you know, we started with what vulnerability is, and we talked a little bit about why it's important in terms of this deep, deep connection that we can create. It gives us the opportunity to grow. It gives us the opportunity to expand a little bit. And I really love this quote from Brene Brown that I think that we'll end on about why vulnerability is so important. And she says that vulnerability is the birthplace of love, belonging, joy, courage, empathy, and creativity. And I think those are all things we would like more of in our lives. Yeah, I I think that's, and that's something we want for everybody that's listening to this is it really makes a huge difference in your life. Thanks so much to our friends, Bridget Corridan, Michelle Batiste, Rachel Smith, and Suzanne Beaumont, who joined us today to help us more deeply understand vulnerability. So that's it for today's episode. Please join us on our next episode of Flowing East and West, The Perfectly Imperfect Journey to a Fulfilled Life. 